you see what I'm saying? Like th- these subtle temptations, that's just one. But, um, well, let me tell you something that just will blow your mind. All right. Uh, I just realized my microphone has been off the whole time. Oh, bummer. And I just clicked it on. Yeah. So the whole segue between what you said and then what wow. you just said. And especially the beauty of what I dropped is all gone. <sighs> you idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Dang that's it. Our- <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Let's talk about what a beast Cardinal George was. Because that guy, I miss that guy already. Like, I'm super honored to be going to his memorial service uh tonight i was like deeply saddened when i had met him a handful of times you know and uh i'm actually anxious to read father baron just put out a an article i called him like a lion of the american church and Mm -hmm. just kind of his influence on the american church and i guess this past week um or really few days you know since he passed away just realizing like he had a profound impact on I mean, the the, the church universal, I, I think, you know, he elected two popes, but also like just what a man he was, like the job he did as archbishop here and kind of his whole life story. So, I mean, you knew, obviously he ordained you. you know, that was so his I last, ca- I was the last class of Chicago priests that he ordained. Right. Yeah. And I'm very honored I get to be one of the pallbearers at the cemetery on Thursday. Wow. So I'll carry him from the hearse to his place of rest with that's a parents. tradition for bishop's funerals right is that the last I believe so. class of i was told it was his ordained. express wish that he wanted the last two classes 2013 and 2014 wow to be his pallbearers so i just saw on the news uh tom byrne and the 2013 guys a couple of my classmates carrying him into the cathedral mm. uh today for the rite of reception but yeah I, I agree so tom called me on friday i was driving just leaving the seminary to go to blue island mm-hmm and I got this call from Tom and missed it. And then I called him right back and he he said, you know, I just wanted you to know. Uh, I just heard that Cardinal George died this morning. And it was weird, man, because, I mean, even during Holy Week and stuff, I was hearing all sorts of things from various people who would know that, you know, it's coming soon. And I don't know, it never sank in or I didn't feel much about it. Like I knew he's been sick for a really long time and, you know, he's beaten cancer a couple of times already and Mm -hmm. you just can't win the lottery that many times in a row um so and and he was talking about it a lot like the last year as he was coming up to mundelein for different talks and things like that he was he was much more um i don't know like his perspective was different even talked about like horizons Mm -hmm. you know how the horizons in your life change and that meant a lot to me too because it was right before i was ordained a priest and the horizon in the seminary is ordination mm-hmm. you know that's the next horizon where then you'll see the uncharted t- uncharted territory across that mm-hmm. horizon what does it look like now as a priest and then you have all sorts of other next you know things like i'm getting done with this stl that's another horizon then i'll be in the parish full time and and you just sort of see your life as this succession of stages mm-hmm. And he said this, now the next horizon is death and eternal life. Mm. And, I mean, what a thing for a guy like that to say. I mean, how 
how much patience, fortitude, and faith that guy showed and how he lived his life every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was, it was amazing. He would come up and have dinner with the seminarians, the Chicago seminarians, one class at a time. So it was like 12 of us and the cardinal in the villa up here just having dinner. And I remember I was tired of it. I was like, okay, let's, are we done yet? You know, because we would, we would talk before dinner, pray evening prayer, then eat dinner, and then go into the living room. And he'd just do like a Q&A. Mm-hmm. Whoever wanted to ask any question they wanted. And we'd just sit there and talk. And, you know, a lot of times we didn't have any intelligent questions to ask. And <laughs> so I try to think of something, one or two things before dinner. Mm-hmm. But eventually it was like, you know, there's just not that much to talk about. And I'm so grateful that the Cardinal is in front of me. But he was the one that wanted to be with us. Yeah. You know, that just left such an impression on me that he learned our names, that he wanted to know his seminarians, he wanted to know his priests, and he visited all, every parish in the archdiocese, of which there's like three hundred over 350 parishes. And he visited them all within like the first two or three years he was archbishop. He loved people, and uh, his whole philosophy, his whole theology, the books that he's written are all about relationship. Mm-hmm. I remember him telling uh, the seminarians one time right after his second book came out you know just about who who we are any human being like much more what much before you're ever like an accountant or a priest or a doctor or a freemason or anything anything or identity that you can take on yourself uh, you are someone's son or daughter someone's brother or sister someone's nephew niece grandson granddaughter there's this rich network of relationships that you're born into and that's who you are and of course, your most fundamental identity is a creature of God, and in baptism, a son or a daughter of God. You are already related, and this is like Barron's anthropology uh, in the in the doctrine of God, mm-hmm. that were like ontological archipelagos, that like underneath the water, that whole chain of islands is connected, mm-hmm. you know. But above the water, you just see these little islands pop out, and that are all being created by the same God, and all being kind of sung into existence by him continuously, what we Christians believe about creation, um, binds us all together in this network of relationships that's only really fulfilled in Christ. We only really see our brotherhood uh, in Christ. Like, that was his whole thing, you know? And that's why, in practice, he was always investing in relationships. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even I, and again, I was not around him nearly as much as you were. You heard him, you know, up here a number of times, which was wonderful. But he always talked about Christ. Like he hardly mm-hmm. ever, you know, a couple of times, like he would tell stories about himself or whatever, but like he wanted to tell you about Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and like what that meant for for your life. And um, I don't know, I guess, I mean, he was just a legitimate like giant of the church mm-hmm. in so many ways though. And I guess more and more like you hear Father Barron talk about him and call him like one of the most cultured men he's ever met in his entire life you know and even the the whole thing i had heard before is like C- cardinal george did not like the term the church has to be countercultural hmm. like it didn't make sense in his mind right like he said you should be pro culture you know you yeah. just need to like get to the heart of that culture even the american culture and so even i've kind of had this feeling this past week just being reflecting reflecting on like the little experiences i had with him of um 
like how he stayed so focused on on christ um but also like you know he operated at such a high level like he elected two popes and obviously was the cardinal archbishop and all these other things that you know he served as um but i felt like in some ways like he was our voice like Mm -hmm. as the the american church you know um that he could say things in a way that i could relate to and i'd be like yeah this guy um he gets me like how he Mm -hmm. talks he gets me and he's able to like represent that at a world level yeah um so i don't know if that makes sense but it's just been a cool little grace i've had from kind of reflecting on my experience of him um this week and honestly more than you know maybe even that was you you kind of hinted at it as well of just the few times we got to see him we saw him get sicker and sicker um but his preparation for death was heroic it was saintly mm-hmm. um and that that was kind of weird you know because i'm sure he welcomed death as a friend but you know still sad to see him to see him go for us not not so much for him yeah as i as i continued drive i stopped my car after tom called me to tell me he had died and then i started driving again just said a little prayer for him and I was keenly aware of my of driving into a world that didn't have Cardinal George in it anymore, which was kind of a profound uh, thing. Like, even though, you know, on a day-to-day basis, he wasn't directly influencing my life very much. It was just, there was a background knowledge that he exists. And he is, you know, a spiritual father to literally millions of people here, including myself. Um, and the world is better because he he exists and another thing well when i just when i think of him and it's such it's such a strange thing because he was such a frail dude and yeah. every time you saw him he's just a little man right he's very tiny and at least from when i saw him you know the last three years he was just progressively getting more and more sick and occasionally we'd see him when he was like jacked up on steroids or something like that you know from his treatment and he'd be doing okay for the day but he just like you could see him slowly dying, mm-hmm. but he gravitas—that's the word that I think of with Cardinal oh, George. It's like this guy bears tons of weight with him. Mm-hmm. Where he goes, it's just—and it, it is so strange because it's such a meek little guy. Yeah, you're like this is the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago. This is the Lion of Chicago. You know this big voice, and here comes this little guy, and he comes strutting, limping up, in with his. You know, he had polio when he was a little kid. He's been limping yeah. ever since. I never thought he was... Honestly, I thought he was never going to die. He had... Like, I know. I mean, you could not kill the guy. No, you nothing could. You hear the could. stories of his life. <laughs> it's insane, dude. Yeah. What were those posters around the seminary a couple years ago, too? After he beat cancer for, like, the second or third time. Yeah. And they kind of... They mimicked, like, the most interesting man in the world. Right. Ones, and it was like, you know, he was like kicked out of some country or something like but that. But here's the thing, like the thing that struck me most about him as a personality was that like you were talking about, he was such a huge deal and yep. was such an interesting person, but he did not take himself seriously at all. Oh yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, he, he was at the world level electing popes and meeting presidents and everything like that. And I remember we asked him once at the March for Life, he used to come and sit with the seminarians and just do a Q&A, right. you know, with like 30 guys just sit there with us. And uh, I remember somebody asked him about like, you know, who is the most impressive person you ever met? Um, and he was, wasn't really ready for the question, so he's thinking about it. And he's, he's kind of like, you know, I just wasn't very impressed 
you know, with the world leaders that I got to meet. And then he, and then he kind of stopped himself. He's like, you know what? The only person that I met that I was totally in awe of was John Paul II. Hmm. And he said that meeting him um, was just like a profound experience of hmm. something deeper um, and beautiful that you, you couldn't really put his finger on. But he was never in awe of worldly power. Never in awe of like fame or fortune yeah. or anything like that. And, you know, right after Obama was elected president, he sat down with him, you right. know. Right. Um, and I'm sure he's met other presidents and certainly senators and the mayor of Chicago and all, all these people, you know. He, he ran in those circles with the most important people. And he told this story about when he was uh, visiting a parish. He might have been doing a confirmation at, at one of the parishes in Chicago. And this little kid comes up to him. Have I, I told you guys this story? I don't, th- I don't think so. It was hysterical. This little kid comes up to him and with his mother beside him and looks up like with this eagerness and joy in his face and says, um, I'm going to be president someday. And Cardinal George said, uh, he, I must have been hungry or, or tired or something because I just looked at him and I said, kid, why don't you do something important with your life? <laughs> <laughs> He said it, the mother, the look on the mother's face was just like shock and horror <laughs> that this cardinal, the little kid was like so excited to tell him his big plan for his life. And Cardinal George is like, you know, <clears throat> I've met the president and you know what I thought? I can do things he can't do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he didn't mean that in any, not arrogating anything to himself. Right. But just saying that the, and, and you remember when Pope Benedict was elected and the oh, cardinals were is, out on the veranda. This is amazing. I know this story. Yeah. The, card- the cardinals were out on the veranda. And I remember watching that election. I was 20 years old. I was at Newman. And we were watching it on the little TV in our dorm room, me and Pete Makaitis, my roommate. And I was like, oh, that's Cardinal George. And he was like very prominently placed mm-hmm. in the front of all these cardinals. And the look on his face, like the cardinals are kind of looking at each other and looking over for the new pope. And mm-hmm. he was just looking out. And I was told later, and maybe you know this better, but I, was, you know, I, I heard later that what he was looking at and thinking about was the Colosseum you could see uh, from across St. Peter's Square Mm -hmm. and thinking about the Caesars, you know, and how these men uh, were worshipped as gods and the Roman Empire was this, you know, eternal empire that was so strong and had conquered the entire world and now its Colosseum was in ruins. Mm -hmm. And the Christians who were eaten by lions in that place and tried to, and they tried to snuff them out. They're still here. Like Peter, who's crucified upside down in this city, has a successor that was just elected. Yeah. And the world is watching him. How, you know? how I heard the story. Yeah. He could see like the Colosseum and the old Roman forums and all. And he, how I heard the story is that he worded it of like, he saw those and the same thing. Like I've seen the Colosseum and it's honestly not that, impressive i was super disappointed it's way cooler to like go there for the more spiritual experience of like the martyr's blood that's there thinking of like little therese on her trip to rome sneaking into the Colosseum so she could kiss the ground and things like that mm-hmm. but like you said it's an old building in ruins is what mm-hmm. what it is but he could see it and i think the question he like posed to himself was like where is your successor marcus aurelius huh. like in a antagonistic type of way yeah and said like because i'm standing by the successor of saint peter right and uh 
yeah, man, he's he's the lion of the church. Like, it's just, it's awesome. <clears throat> and I do, and to say all this stuff of like, oh, worldly power, you know, like, I can do things that the president can't do, and, you know, it's the church is this incredible thing. He honestly could say that completely selflessly. Right. Like, mm-hmm. not thinking about himself at all. Not thinking about, oh, look at me, Cardinal George. Look at, I'm up here on this balcony. I'm over Cardinal George people. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the last thing. As a matter of fact, you had to pry at him. You had yeah. to pry at him to get one little nugget about Cardinal George. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was almost never. And then that's why at the end of the li- at the end of his life, I remember Father Barron was so taken aback. Like, wow, Cardinal George is sharing so much about himself. He had said yeah. like one thing during yeah. his, I, we had like a big symposium for him um, with that academic oh, for that's his right. 50th. Mm-hmm. And he shared just like one or two things maybe about himself. And Father Barron was, stoked about it yeah and i'm like what he he maybe mentioned himself once yeah but it was mm-hmm. a huge deal because it was always it's not about me it's yeah. about me i'm i'm a prince of the church i'm just trying to pass on this great gift that i've been able to receive which you look at his gratitude for everything that he's received everything that he's been able to be a part of and you can see oh this is why this guy has an engine because he mm-hmm. really is living from that place of gratitude living from that place of selflessness it even reminds me, too, of kind of watching him as we were able to, as he got a little bit sicker, you know, throughout the past few years. And it reminds me of the the story from John Paul II, actually, who, um, you know, towards the end of his life was extremely sick. And I don't know who, I don't know if it was George Weigel or who wrote on it that I heard it, like, said in this way. We said the best homily that John Paul II ever preached was his last public appearance. And I think it was for the Sunday Angelus in Rome. And he was so sick at that point. He died just a couple, like, days later. And he insisted on going to the window for the Angelus. And people knew he was getting really bad. So St. Peter's was completely full, the square. And they said at that point his body was just so shut down that he couldn't talk. And for minutes he stayed at the window and tried, um, like, tried to speak, to even just, like, say the blessing for these people to give them some words and he couldn't do it. And so they said he literally just blessed the crowd and had to go back into his room. And that's the last time he was seen in public. And wow. they, they said, like, no one in St. Peter's Square was not crying after this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was the best sermon he ever preached because they knew that he loved them. Mm-hmm. And I think we got to see that, you know, we joke about like thinking Cardinal George was never going to die. And that was, I mean, that was, it was still a feeling of shock for me when I found out on Friday of like, cause it's like your dad, man, like mm-hmm. you're too strong to die. You know, you, you can't, yeah, you're uh, invincible. Man. I felt, I felt, and, and, you know, um, blessed to like have both my parents still be healthy and stuff, but like in a real way, kind of felt like an orphan, like mm-hmm. on, on Friday, because like Cardinal George is too strong to die, but like here, you know, even this lion of the church is, you know, Baron, we're using Baron's words there. Um, but like, you know, he's like, he goes back, um, you know, to, to dust, he shall return. And right. like, it's like his life is in the hands of the loving God at this point, And he was okay with that. Um, and it, but it's just beautiful to to hear about like the immensity of this man, like of this saintly man and this saintly life, and um, a story that 
like we've talked about before, you can't make up uh, a kid from Chicago mm-hmm. that had polio as a kid, got turned down by the Chicago Seminary. Yeah, came back to be its chancellor and Want, archbishop. Yeah, exactly. Wanted to be a, like a poor missionary to serve God's people. And like keeps getting called upon to serve the church and ends up back in his hometown of Chicago as the cardinal archbishop and chancellor of the of the seminary. Um, but even he, you know, it's like I think he did get to welcome death as a as a friend, but ultimately, like he's just placed in the hands of the loving God. One and one thing, and I'm glad you mentioned JP two as well, because like JP two, I think Cardinal George, especially as seminarians, where we got to see him a little bit more intimately than maybe others like he showed what it looks like to die well Mm -hmm. and what it looks like to suffer to the end and i mean every time i saw him he was honestly i thought to myself that's a suffering servant of the church yeah meekly walking around just you could tell he's perpetually in pain and he's out there just like kicking it cruising around i mean there's a number of times where i was just at a parish randomly throughout the week and in comes Cardinal George doing a Cardinal George thing. And you're like, what? You never stop, man. Yeah. You never stop. And it was just, it was so incredible and impressive to see somebody finish their life like that. Like, you have done it. You have done enough, man. Yeah. Done and he enough. just couldn't get out of it. Like, yeah. even to the end. What he, he had 40 days or, I mean. I, well, he just had supernatural stamina. So. I remember like the first time we went as seminarians to his residence downtown. It was like the summer before my first year of seminary and we were doing like a little Chicago tour and we, we stopped at the residence and he welcomed us and just talked in the living room um, of the residence and we were all standing because there weren't enough spots for everybody to sit down. So he's kind of standing in the middle and we're all kind of in a semicircle around him and he's just talking to us and addressing us and then people were asking questions and I remember my feet were starting to hurt because I was like, I'm sick of standing up. You know, it's been, I don't know, like almost an hour. We're just standing here. And, and then I thought to myself, that old man is on his feet and he had polio <laughs> and bladder cancer. And he like hasn't even, you know, bent his knee in the last hour to like increase blood flow. He just was standing there. He, he was unbelievable. He was like Ali going 15 rounds or something. He yeah. could just go, yeah. you know, and never seem to get tired. And that's why it was so, you know, they said that like the last time George Washington addressed Congress or something, he put on a pair of eyeglasses and everybody was uh, sort of shocked about that because, of course, General Washington had been this great hero of the American Revolution and the first president and also kind of an invincible figure. And just wearing eyeglasses was this sign of aging um just sort of uh everybody's heart sank a little bit knowing okay that this man shall die too you know uh he's going the way of all flesh and when cardinal george started canceling things because he was too tired or um that just was not ever the case before he started getting really really sick um but he was also a guy who just told it like it is. And that is a lot why I feel like people, he didn't sugarcoat anything. Uh, and in that way, he's, he was like my actual father, my, my biological father, who is also very direct and just mm-hmm. tells it like it is. Uh, kind of that Germanic 
systematic thinking like, well, this is the truth and I'm giving it to you. Um, and, you know, he would say stuff on TV that, you know, a lot of his homilies, most of his homilies I ever saw him give, he just had notes at most, if not was just speaking from his own, you know, wealth of knowledge. And so he spoke off the cuff often and would say things. And he has all this like really knowledge. It's kind of like Pope Benedict. He's so knowledgeable about history and culture Mm -hmm. and politics and all of the things of the world. And then on top of that, understands theology and the, the meaning of history and everything like that. So he would say things that would get him in trouble because like whoever would read, like if you just print that quote, it's going to sound insane, you know? Um, I remember, oh gosh, one time it was one of those dinners at the villa and I, lo- I loved his laugh because it was like, he had a great sense of humor, but he had this like trail off at the end of his laugh, kind of a groan mm. that always to me signaled a kind of melancholy about the whole thing. <laughs> um, but he was joking about uh, Cardinal Stritch. He was talking about all the bishops of Chicago, like his his predecessors. And Cardinal Stritch, well, he was, at first he was talking about Mundelein and how he had actually met Mundelein's niece when he first came to Chicago as the archbishop. She was still alive. And he, he asked her, like, well, you know, what do you remember about Cardinal Mundelein? Um, and she said that the only thing she really remembers was that he said, my successor successor will have to be a more spiritual man. You know, because Mundelein was this brick-and-mortar bishop who built up all this stuff. He was a man of the world and knew how to get things done. Um, the joke was his his Episcopal motto was, Deus ad utor meus, God is my helper. <laughs> like, he, just, he was just, Mundelein was getting stuff done, getting na- uh, towns named after him and everything like that. So Stritch was his successor, and, and Colonel George said he was a more spiritual man. Matter of fact, he, was, he could be quite depressive and spent entire days in bed. But... Suppose that's understandable. He did have a depressing job. He was the Archbishop of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and then he laughed like this. He goes, ha, 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 ha. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that. Oh, man. He's, oh, man. What a guy. He was a yeah. supernatural figure with supernatural strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, yeah, but, you know, even that, like, you know, I, I do like see him as like a very saintly figure as well like all these cool stories but it's like you know at the end of his day is like um like it's christ that like won that victory for him and it was like christ working through him that he was able to do that so like i'm, I'm sure his preparation for death like was similar to everybody else's you know mm-hmm. of confession and last rites and like receiving the eucharist until the end and so it's a beautiful it's just a beautiful story, like, for a beautiful man, like, to end how it did, honestly. Mm-hmm. God bless Cardinal George. Well, let's go pray for him. Let's do All it. Right. It's going to be good, man. Are you ready? Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.